the environment evolves, the, the world evolves, actually, and the regulatory requirements evolve. Mm -hmm. So you have to be, I mean, ethics and compliance professionals have to be proactive. They have to proactively see the, the, the changes coming mm -hmm. and they have to proactively work with business mm -hmm. to make sure that business really responds to those changes. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Heads Talk with me, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter, the podcast where we talk to C-level executives, leaders of institutions and heads of multinationals. What are the current topics they talk, we listen. Can you imagine getting into a business or a market where you actually spend a hundred billion plus on a piece of paper? Are you kidding me? It was like a frying pan of a head. I got nothing against CFOs. It was not just the job of a lifetime, it was the job of a thousand lifetimes. My guess is a C-suite that we have not had on the show before. We're going to talk about compliance and ethics in a sector where the execution is most needed. My guest, a robust individual, is known for her prudence, confidential delivery and leadership. We will delve into her role and look at the future direction of the sector, led, of course, by compliance, ethics and integrity. But before we get into that, here's a brief message. My name is Dorota Ratajska, a business and life coach, a trainer and a recruiter. I have a great pleasure to support this inspiring episode of Headstock. If you or your company are in need of coaching, career consulting or recruitment services, please contact me via www.drevolve.ch or find Dorota Ratajska on LinkedIn. Podcast with your host Elaine Pringle Schwitter. US Private Capital Forum Go Real 2023 launched now until the end of March, with on demand sessions offering attendees the utmost flexibility to access industry specific content and deals on their terms. It will bring together over 100 speakers from across Europe over a broad agenda covering private equity, venture capital, real estate, and private debt. For details, visit www.eurosforum.org. Heads Talk Podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter. Bella Raphael Hovanissian is the Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer of CSL, a leading global biotechnology company. Bella leads the global ethics and compliance team and is responsible for developing the strategic framework, execution and ongoing management of the CSL's enterprise-wide business ethics and compliance group, ensuring high ethical standards in business operations and compliance with healthcare laws, pharmaceutical industry requirements and CSL policies and procedures. Prior to joining CSL, she was the Compliance and Ethics Lead for Bristol Myers Squibb, responsible for Iberia, Spain and Portugal, Russia and Turkey, and the Nordic countries, Denmark, Sweden, Norway and Finland. At different periods over 10 plus years, um, gaining a good understanding of the complexities of the markets. Academically, Bella has a bachelor's degree. She is certified in corporate compliance from INSEAD, 
and she impressively speaks six languages, Armenian, English, French, Portuguese, Russian, and Spanish. Wow, good. I'm eager to have a conversation now. So without further ado, I'd like to welcome Bella to this new series on Headstock. Delighted to have you here today. Hello, Elaine. Thank you very much. Right. Um, I've not had a, as mentioned, I've not had a uh, Chief Ethics and Compliance Officer on Headstock before. So this is uh, new territory for the show and it makes it quite exciting for me so so again glad to have you here today let's start for those who don't know um with an introduction to your organization give us a summary of csl what do you do so csl is um biotech company um worldwide uh established with headquarters in australia so it's an australian headquartered company mm -hmm. um csl uh is um really uh working in um, in helping patients with rare diseases mm -hmm. uh some of those like hemophilia um mm -hmm. Uh, we do uh, manage um, interactions with donors, plasma donors, so you mm -hmm. can imagine that the ethical component to that is very important, absolutely critically important. Mm -hmm. um, I, CSL has, uh, so the biotech part of it, CSL bearing, we have the influenza or vaccine mm -hmm. uh, securus, CSL securus, um, CSL plasma, that's where we uh, engage with donors and we mm -hmm. collect plasma, mm -hmm. human plasma. And then very recently, uh, CSL acquired V4 Pharma. So mm -hmm. today CSL Pharma, mm -hmm. uh, which is a, a company specialized in helping patients with iron deficiencies, uh, you know, and so this, uh, this, this, I think acquisition brings uh, even more value to, to CSL and clearly um, helping the patients across the globe uh, mm -hmm. in you know, um, helping in their you know daily life and mm -hmm. improving their quality of life um, mm -hmm. hopefully so yeah. this is in a nutshell what CSL is what CSL as a company is right. and, and, and let's talk about um, the role of the chief ethics and compliance officer your role um, Compliance in the pharmaceutical industry, as you just talked about, um, has a, a whole different meaning. And I'd like to explore your role here, especially with the rise of biotech and newer tech solutions in the sector. So your role, um, Bella, what does that really entail? Right. So the role of, uh, let's say, business ethics and compliance group, I would say, uh, the group I lead, Mm -hmm. um, within the broader enterprise risk ethics and compliance is really there to support business, to support our colleagues in commercial, in medical, in market access, in other functions, mm -hmm. uh, to achieve their objectives, the business objectives, taking into clearly consideration the ethical and uh, regulatory mm -hmm. uh, requirements, Mm -hmm. um, which is uh, very, you know, uh, challenging at times. Yeah, evolves yeah. quite quickly, as we know. Mm -hmm. So we have to be up to date, keep the pace of those uh, changes, and really make sure that you know business uh, really understands those changes, mm -hmm. uh, incorporates them in their daily business engagements and interactions, 
and ultimately you know by driving an ethical business um business based on the integrity you that's how you really help patients in mm. the end of mm. I, i'm assuming based on that there's a there's a lot of communication probably on both sides but there's a lot of communication on the compliance side in that sort of sense and this podcast is all about how the c-suites talk to each other so, so how do you liaise and work with the other c-suites in the organization and where and when do they call upon you the most or vice versa you talked about ethics you talked about regulatory making sure everything's in place when do they really call upon you well, you know, I, I think I, I should say uh, I'm lucky or I think the environment in CSL, I have to say, is very collaborative. Mm-hmm. So uh, so business is not calling me just to uh, figure out how to manage a difficult situation, mm-hmm. right? But they basically call me into you know, or involve me into their decision-making process, which I think Mm -hmm. is the most successful way to engage ethics and compliance professionals, meaning Mm -hmm. engaging us from the very beginning, right? In whatever project business wants to manage. Mm -hmm. Of course, I don't mean every single routine, daily business activities, but those innovative projects, challenging projects, multifunctional or multi-regional right, projects, uh, where you you have to really have a good understanding of different laws, regulations, requirements, right, yeah. and bring them to the table so business really sees the picture and then takes an informed decision yeah. in the end. So, so in, in, in essence, um, the compliance, um, the chief compliance officer, chief ethics and compliance officer, or, or your role and your team's role, is kind of underpins a lot of what goes on in the other C-suite areas, because in terms of the decisions they make, the work they do, this is on the big scale, they really need to ensure that they adhere to compliance, they adhere to ethics, they adhere to regulatory stuff. So it's not a case of they tap into you as and when, you're always there sort of underpinning whatever is being done. Yeah. Well, you know, yes, I'm always there, the clearly available, uh, the open door policy. I'm absolutely, uh, uh, you know, uh, I'm advocating for that policy and my team as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, the overall uh, enterprise risk ethics and compliance team, clearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think ethics and compliance role is evolving, or at least I hope it does. Mm-hmm. Maybe years ago, you know, with uh, with uh, a number of uh, you know um, issues that we've seen across pharma industry, mm-hmm. resulting in you know, corporate integrity agreements, uh, you know, uh, etc. I think the role probably is evolving. Um, years ago, probably ethics and compliance would be viewed as a policing or a policeman within yeah. the organization. Yeah. I hope and I want to think, or at least that's the philosophy in CSL, and I can speak for CSL, ethics and compliance is regarded as a business partner. Mm -hmm. So we need to partner with business. We are in the same boat. We Mm -hmm. have the same objectives to deliver Mm -hmm. to our patients, Mm -hmm. to our patients, Mm -hmm. right? And we are there to help them. We understand the challenges business has and actually to be really a successful ethics and compliance business partner, first, you really need to understand business and their challenges, right? Yeah, 
Okay. And, you know, let's stick with um, the evolving role of the ethics officer. Um, it has morphed over the years. Um, what do you think has caused the biggest change in recent years in the role itself? I think the role moved, as I said, from um, mm, policing, uh, let's say, function. Mm -hmm. to yes, I know, I, know, I know you said what has, but um, what's caused this change? This change, right. I think what probably caused the change is that, uh, you know, the, the environment evolves, the, the world evolves, actually, and the regulatory requirements evolve mm -hmm. so you have to be i mean ethics and compliance professionals have to be proactive they have to proactively see the the, the changes coming mm -hmm. and they have to proactively work with business mm -hmm. to make sure that business really responds to those changes right mm -hmm. um so therefore helping business basically i think that's prim primarily what drives the change i think all right. And, and just as a side thing, um, you are also the interim ethics officer for CSL Bell Ring. Does this differ from your primary role? No, I used to be, but right now I'm overseeing the CSL group of okay. so ethics and okay. compliance program within the CSL group. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So thanks for clarifying that. that. That's just part of my research and, and I figured sure. out. Thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> Let's move on. You alluded to it at, at the very beginning of the um, conversation. Um, this is such a big thing now, and, uh, and more so since the pandemic. It's about collaboration. Everyone, organization, is embarking on some kind of partnership. And you, you talked about um, one or two of CSL's partnerships and any of its subsidiaries. If you can elaborate on, on more of them, that would be great. Uh, well, uh, I wouldn't call them, well, we, we have four, the, what we call business units within CSL group of companies, mm -hmm. uh, and each of them are part of CSL, mm -hmm. right? They have different business models, they have different operation, operate, operating models, right? Mm -hmm. You cannot compare like innovative medicine uh, environment with vaccine, mm -hmm. right, environment, mm -hmm. but when it comes to uh, you know, ethics and compliance role, uh, and when it comes to external requirements or regulations covering, mm -hmm. uh, generally speaking, life science industry, right? Mm -hmm. The rules and regulations are um, similar, especially mm -hmm. especially for the area we help business with, and it's primarily around the engagements and interaction with health uh, care um professionals or organizations or government entities mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. right all right and you know another um unavoidable sort of an inevitable collaboration or, or should i say marriage is that of the digital world and the bio world and and i'd like to know um i think that's probably when i asked the question about morphing i was wondering if you would talk about sort of digitalization being a major element in how your role is changed but what are some of the things your sector is working on that excites you in this space, in this new marriage of bio and digital? You know, digital clearly is here and it will, it will continue being here in our business as well. Mm -hmm. Now, digital needs to help patients, right? If we can digitalize and help patients in their journey, 
that's that's good i mean we need to bring digital in our activities in in our projects in our programs mm-hmm. um now are we yet there completely i probably would say no but that's good mm. it's a journey we have to 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 take right um now when it comes to the profession i mean ethics and compliance profession of course we also need to bring digital into our profession right mm-hmm. we we need to come also to and digital helps in in harmonizing a lot of processes right mm-hmm. uh, which probably were before paper driven were not that harmonized were not standardized so digital helps in that space as well even for us to do our daily job mm-hmm. so you, you're but talking now, about oh, sorry sorry yeah but now when it comes to how we use digital when we interact with the external world because there are so many you know quite stringent i would say at times rules and regulations we have to be attentive and we have to make sure that we are in compliance with those regulations when we use digital uh to you know to reach out to our stakeholders external stakeholders but surely there's elements of it that makes your work a lot easier well it does it also adds an additional let's say layer of complexity depending uh what area you use digital for because as i said uh using digital capabilities in life science especially talking about using it with external stakeholders uh it requires you know um understanding of laws and regulations i'll give you an example can we use social media exact same way as consumer goods company would use well not really because we are strictly regulated and there are some considerations that we need to take into account mm-hmm. okay and you know I'll ask this question let me know if you you can provide an answer or not um it'd be great if you could tell my listeners but some of the innovations or projects um, of CSL in the biotechnology space that you, you could actually elaborate on well, you know, I mean, uh, CSL is, um, uh, CSL Bearing, especially if we talk about, is a very innovative company. And recently, you know, uh, I think what I would probably uh, want to mention here, um, uh, I think what we do in the gene therapy space, which is, uh, you know, uh, a new Uh, let's say, um, area for the life science companies as well, I would Mm -hmm. say. We are quite innovative uh, in that space as a company. Mm -hmm. So bringing gene therapy uh, to to help patients with their, you know, with with their diseases. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. So what exactly are you doing with gene therapy? So... um, well, that's a complex, uh, I would say, um, question uh, to be answered, like, you know, in just uh, one, uh, one sentence. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, me, let me think how best I could maybe uh, try to answer that. Um, uh, well, I'm, I'm trying to just give you 
Just yeah. answer it in as maybe in a, a layman's way, rather than talk too too hardcore and technical. But in a, in a layman, a layman person can understand that and how it would affect them if they were affected by something where gene therapy would be of benefit to them. Well, gene therapy clearly brings that benefit for the patients. It gives an innovative approach in treating the patients. So that's that's uh, I would I would say the the, the innovation itself, the gene therapy. Uh, so. Mm -hmm. But I, I think it's a, it's you know uh, quite an interesting topic. But I think it would probably require a bit more of time to elaborate about it. Oh, okay, um, that's fine. Let's leave it now for now. Um, um, I was happy to give you the time because we've only just sort of like literally ten minutes into the conversation. But let's move more into your space, which is um, ethical themes and topics in greater detail in in the sector. What are some of the real and complex ethical challenges faced by biotechnology organizations that you can share specifically to biotechnology organizations? Right, listen, we just, uh, I just mentioned very briefly the gene therapy. That's a new, um, new area, I think, even for the regulators and regulatory you know, um, uh, entities. So we are all, I think, learning. Mm -hmm. uh, as we discovered these therapies and we work on them. So uh, that's something new for everyone. So we, we need to really now see, understand and learn how we need to approach, um, you know, the innovative uh, treatments uh, and how regulators will be um, approaching these innovative treatments from their end. Mm -hmm. What would mm -hmm. they come up with? It's like, you know, uh, what requirements, what standards, what ethical considerations they may come up with that we would need to be aware of and really, you know, respond to. Mm. So this, this is kind of like a very, very new space for you in, com in compliance and, and ethics. Yes, absolutely. It is a new area for us. Yes. Okay. Sorry? Yes, I would agree to that. Yes. Okay. Um, Let's make this sub-question um, a little bit personal. Um, what has been your own challenge in, in your role? Again, I would probably need to think about it. Um, well, uh, the personal challenge, I guess, is, you know, is working on bringing the value mm -hmm. to the business mm -hmm. um, and really, you know, building a team that would really be driven by clearly understanding the business and business priorities and challenges, mm -hmm. building a multi cultural team, inclusive team, and diverse team. Mm -hmm. I think that's, I would say, and it's a good challenge. It's, uh, I really enjoy that. And I enjoy working with the team. And we indeed have a very diverse team coming mm -hmm. from different cultures, speaking a lot of different languages and all good professionals. And I think that's a beauty of it, but also a challenge sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think when it comes to the work environment, I think I was lucky enough. I will, I've been always supported by 
my um, management and by my peers. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I think I, the, the biggest challenge I think in our role is really to stay um, on top of all ever evolving regulatory environment and really understanding how that could impact the business and then help business in a meaningful way, right? Mm -hmm. Adding value to what they do from our side. Mm -hmm. Well, what do you want to ask? Um, CSL is a global organization. Yeah. Do you find that ethics and compliance at different scales or different end of the scales, depending on the culture and the country and the environment you're in. And in that, I think it's the culture that di dictates the ethics or uh, rather than CSL having a kind of a, a uniform way of delivering things. So yes, I agree that um, culture defines the company and you can have a very robust set of standardized policies and procedures, but yet if culture is not the right one, mm. you know, uh, it, you, you will fail probably. Yeah, it may work for short, short term, but on mid long term, you probably will fail if the culture is not there. And culture is set up by companies, top leaders, right? But not mm -hmm. only top leaders, by the way, but also mean, middle management as well. Mm -hmm. and, and the culture needs to, you know, it's not just making the talk, right? Mm -hmm. You have to really demonstrate that what you say is how you behave, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So I think culture is the very important component for the company being success successful and for ethics and compliance professionals to, to really be able to bring that value to the business. Yeah, culture and sort of, Corporate culture, it's, it's a fascinating thing because it's such a complex thing and sometimes really hard to define. And it's all about living the values as opposed to just having the words disseminated down from the top. That I understand. What about country culture? As I said, CSL is a global organization. Right. Country culture, how does that play in with ethics and compliance? I mean, that must be a major component there. It is, especially depending on the regions or some countries, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so you need to be culturally sensitive, if I may. Mm -hmm. You need to understand what that country's culture is. Mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes it's challenging because what is culturally or let's say traditionally accepted in one country mm -hmm. may actually, yes. uh, you know, result in, a, in, 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 in an issue for the company at the corporate level, yeah. right? Yeah. And it so we need to understand that culture very well. We need to understand what drives that culture or traditions, I would say, mm -hmm. rather than you know, culture itself. Mm -hmm. And we need to educate people. I think one of the roles of ethics and compliance professionals is also educating at the country level our employees, but also our external partners we work with. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, I, and I assume that's why you are building, as you mentioned, diverse teams so that the culture can be understood within as well as on the outside. Um, if, you, if you don't have the diverse teams, it's very difficult to, to understand CSL 
I don't know, Japan as opposed to CSL, Mexico, that, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so that's good. Okay, now, now let's look to the, the future. What are the future plans for CSL that you'd like to share with us? So the future for CSL, well, you know, I, uh, I think CSL is a great company to be, uh, and I'm not saying because I'm the CSL Chief Ethics and Compliance <laughs> Officer, I do believe genuinely that CSL is a great company to be with a great culture, corporate culture. Um, you know, one of our um, values in, in the company is collaboration and integrity mm -hmm. and patient focus. Um, I think that pretty much defines CSL. Um, CSL future, I think, well, past, present and future is really focusing on patients, delivering on our promise to patients and the promises to help patients in their, you know, um, in their journey, mm -hmm. uh, getting the treatments for, for the patients. I think that's, uh, and, and making sure that we bring that innovation to the patients, hopefully that could help them in their, you know, in improving their quality of life and in improving their, their living standards. So mm -hmm. I think company CSL has, uh, as I said, uh, brings that innovation when we talk about gene therapy, uh, as I mentioned, uh, so recently uh, we were able to, and we're very proud of it. Uh, we got, uh, you know, the, 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 um, the approval of one of the gene um, therapy treatment um, in US. So that's the first step, I think, uh, for CSL that will continue being the journey and the future. Um, developing other life-saving medicines, we have a strong pipeline. Um, so I think, you know, innovation, patient focus, and clearly doing the business based on ethical standards and having a strong corporate culture driven by integrity. That's how I would describe the future of CSL. Okay, so it's all about sort of patient first and yes. continuing with what works well for CSL and continuing to be consistent across the, the globe in, in terms of what you deliver. Yes, but that's patient first. You just said it. That's how I would summarize it. Yes. Patient first, patient first. Yeah. Bella Raphael, Hova Nissian, many thanks for your time and insights. Thank you very much for inviting me. Thank you. Thanks for joining me today on this episode of Heads Talk. Don't forget to subscribe to the show via my website, elainepringle.com forward slash Heads Talk, wherever you get your podcasts. Finally, I'd like to thank our sponsors, guests, and you for helping to make the show possible. Please join me next time where I'll be featuring more executives, C-suite leaders, and heads of multinationals. Heads Talk podcast with your host, Elaine Pringle-Schwitter.